Welcome to Pop Culture Rx, part of Hackensack Meridian Health's award-winning podcast. Pop Culture Rx is where we sit down with a medical expert and talk through various health-related topics circulating in today's media. In our discussions, you'll hear from a variety of professionals sharing insight and advice on these newsworthy conditions. This is Pop Culture Rx. As children's COVID cases surge, there is another virus on the rise, and that is RSV. And today I'm here with Dr. Katherine Clauser, who is a pediatric hospitalist affiliated with Joseph M. Sanzari Children's Hospital at Hackensack University Medical Center, New Jersey's number one children's hospital. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Clauser. Of course, I'm happy to be here. So before we dive into RSV and what RSV is, what is a hospitalist? So a hospitalist is a pediatrician who has specialty training to take care of kids who are sick enough to need to be in the hospital. It became its own board certified specialty in 2019. Um, and many of our physicians within the network have this board certification to take care of kids who are sicker than the average kid who need to be hospitalized. So you're not a normal pediatrician. You're a little bit of a step above. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, our general pediatricians in the offices probably have the hardest job because they're the ones trying to figure out who can stay home, who, you know, needs care in the hospital. Um, And then there's also, you know, multiple specialties and hospital medicine is one of them. Very cool. So let's dive in. What exactly is RSV and why should we be worried? RSV is a very common virus that kind of uh, circulates around the um, populations under four. So it's usually kids in daycare, kids who have playgroups, different things like that. And it is a virus that really likes the lining of the lungs. So the small, tiny parts of our lungs, if you think about your lungs as a bag of grapes, it's like those individual little grapes. Uh, RSV, it stands for respiratory syncytial virus. And the syncytium, that part of RSV, is the lining of those tiny parts of the lungs. And what RSV does is it attacks the lining of the lungs there um, and creates a ton of fluid within the lungs. It kind of sloughs off just like you would with like a scrape in your knee or something like that. Creates a ton of fluid. For adults, we cough it up. We do get it causes the common cold. We cough it up. No big deal. It doesn't really cause us a problem. But in small kids who don't have the strength to really cough up all that fluid, it collects in there and makes it very difficult for them to breathe. So what would, so would the main sign being that they're having a hard time breathing or or maybe coughing? Absolutely. You know, and it's interesting because it is a spectrum, just like any other viruses. Some kids will have no symptoms. Some might have a little fever. Some might just have some nasal congestion and cough and others will have this difficulty breathing. And when they start to have the difficulty breathing, and what we mean by that is they're breathing very fast or using their stomach to breathe a little bit more or the muscles in between their ribs. You can see that on kids because most of them don't have a ton of fat kind of hiding that. If they're breathing like that, that's when they get we get concerned and ask them to come into the hospital. So if you're seeing your kid that way and you're seeing symptoms that way, is that is the first sign to go to the hospital or should you go see your pediatrician first? If the child looks okay and is feeding, you know, maybe not their best or maybe um, they're breathing a little bit faster, you can always start with your pediatrician. Um, We know that parents are a little bit nervous to go see their pediatricians, but it's completely safe to go in and see your pediatrician, get some sort of an idea, is your child sick enough to need the hospital or not? If it's the middle of the night and the child just has been working so hard to breathe for, you know, a couple of hours and you're concerned, Yes, uh, the hospital is the best place to go. And when you get to the hospital, what happens? Is there a certain kind of treatment that these children go on or... 
you know, is it kind of like a, a watch and see? So it was a little bit of both. Um, any viruses that we have, and this has been one of the challenges with a lot of the things that we've dealt with, they don't have cures. We can't really cure these viruses. You can stop the replication with certain medications. RSV has a prophylactic medication, meaning something that in high-risk children, we can hope to reduce the um, kind of symptomatology. We can reduce the chance that they get this infection. But there's no cure for the virus itself. So all of the treatments that we're giving are really to help the kids get better. So as you can imagine, when somebody has a ton of nasal congestion and they're trying to feed through a bottle, suck, swallow, and breathe is really hard all at the same time if you're also congested. We all know that as adults. Mm -hmm. You have that cold, you wake up in the middle of the night, you drink that glass of water, it's the best glass of water that you've ever had. But in chugging that glass of water, you have that difficulty breathing. So if you're one and a half, you're not going to feed, right? The thing that they're going to keep doing is breathing. We love that. That's good. But they may not be able to feed. So some kids need IV fluids to help to, you know, support their hydration. Um, then when you think about oxygen, oxygen is a gas. It has to move across a membrane to get into your blood to go to all your tissues. So with that, it's really difficult for the oxygen to move across all that mucus and phlegm. Um, and so we need to sometimes give a little extra oxygen. There's two things that that does. First of all, it increases the likelihood that the oxygen can get to the blood. And the second thing it does is giving some extra flow kind of pops those blood vessels, or I'm sorry, those oxygen um, membranes open and makes it a little easier for the child to breathe. So when they come into the hospital, they're going to get nice aggressive suctioning from our nurses and respiratory therapists. They're going to get some IV fluids if they can't eat, and they'll get some oxygen support. And you mentioned high-risk children. What makes what makes a child more at risk for this than than just the normal? Any child who has any lung issues is at higher risk for more severe disease. So any child in the United States, in the world, really can get this virus. Um, and it depends on a lot of different factors if they're going to have a hard time clearing the virus. So any child with any immunosuppressive diseases, somebody who's receiving maybe chemotherapy, young children do sometimes receive chemotherapy, or someone who has an immune system that doesn't work as well as yours and mine, they may be at higher risk. Then we also look at kids who have problems with their lungs. So children who are born prematurely, their lungs are not fully developed until they're about two years old. We think of having to support them a little bit extra. So babies who are born very early, before they leave the neonatal intensive care unit, the NICU, they tend to get this medication. It's called Synergis. It's an antibody that helps to kind of protect them. And other children who have heart disease, um, so maybe they were born with a heart defect or they have some other reason why their heart does work as well as other children, they will also kind of be at higher risk. And so you were talking about how, you know, mucous membranes and congestion and all these things, how does that tie into COVID right now? Because it's probably pretty hard to tell which is which, given that both are respiratory viruses. Absolutely. So the symptoms are very similar, and that's been one of the challenges that we've always had. Um, hospitalists and pediatricians in the community are really good at treating respiratory viruses. We've been doing this forever, right? And if you have kids, you know that for the winter time, kids are getting 8 to 12 colds, and so they're sick for the entire winter. And most parents are really comfortable dealing with that, and most pediatricians are really comfortable helping to support parents through this kind of intelligent gets better time frame. When COVID hit, we weren't really sure how it was going to affect kids because early on, they weren't being infected at the rate that adults were. And early, we saw that kids had more of kind of the gastrointestinal symptoms, diarrhea, vomiting, really difficulty with abdominal pain and eating. 
And sometime around last November, it seemed to switch where kids were getting a little bit more of that viral kind of uh, respiratory problems, viral pneumonias, different things like that. What was good about it is pediatricians already know how to do this. So we were already prepared to treat this. What we are seeing in other states, not so much in New Jersey because people have done such a good job getting vaccinated that we're really seeing a decrease in comparison to other states in our kids being infected with severe disease, which is great. Yes. So, um, but in other states, if you have both, if you have RSV and COVID, that's like a double hit to your lungs Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be much harder for you to recover. And how would you even treat that? Because yes, you kind of understand how to how to treat, I guess, RSV or how to, you know, go with the symptoms and treat the symptoms. Whereas COVID, it's really kind of on the fly. Absolutely. We've used a lot of the same principles with treating kids with COVID as we have with RSV and other respiratory illnesses. Um, There's, you know, a test that we do in our hospitals that, um, and most children's hospitals around the country have this uh, similar test that actually looks at about 13 different viruses and four different bacteria that tend to cause respiratory problems. So when your kid comes to the hospital, we will know which one is it. Is it COVID? Is it RSV? Is it rhinovirus, which typically causes a cold in adults? There's a lot that we can look at. And we use a lot of the principles that we know from treating all those other respiratory viruses to treat COVID. And a lot of it is supportive care. Um, We do use steroids in kids for um, those who have severe COVID, requiring oxygen, requiring some extra kind of support from our physicians. Um, And we do kind of apply those principles to other viruses as well. So although the name might be different, it's nice because the treatment tends to be the same. And parents have found who have come in with a child with COVID, they said, oh, you know, she had bronchiolitis, which is the name of the disease. That's what we call when you're infected with RSV. Um, It seemed similar to COVID. And I think in some ways that's a little comforting because it's something they're more comfortable with other than this kind of nebulous new virus that everyone is afraid of. Yeah. And kind of that you already have a support system and a, a treatment plan in a way to to support it and support their children. Absolutely, yes. Especially because it's very scary to bring your child who is having trouble breathing to the hospital. Yes, yes. Is RSV only limited to, to babies? So you were mentioning that sometimes adults can get it too. Would that be just masked as the common cold or should they seek help as well? For most adults, it's gonna be just like the common cold. But when you look at the data and you look at kind of the prevalence of those who are hospitalized, it peaks at two times. Babies, those under two or three, this year it's a little bit older um, because no one saw it. There was a full year where no one had any immunity to RSV because we really saw none of it for most of 2020. Um, And now we're seeing it again earlier than we typically would. So you've got a little bit of that under four population and then again, people who are over the age of 67. And it's a similar principle in that as you age, your muscle tone gets a little bit less. It's a little harder to clear your lungs. So that normal thing that you just cough it up and you'd move on, it can kind of get more and more in there and stack on top of itself because you've got the RSV in the lungs already, it's creating mucus, and then it continues to do so. So you almost have like mucus stacking on mucus. Um, So older people also can have similar symptoms to babies. Generally, that middle population over five to, you know, adults tend to just have a common cold. You mentioned that, you know, 2020, we didn't have any really cases of this. Do you think that's because of the whole masking mandate and not and 
not really being social with anybody. Yes, absolutely. So between masking and social distancing, you know, schools were remote. Uh, Kids just weren't interacting with each other very much all through 2020. Um, And normally we see these cases of RSV from November to March. That's our RSV season. That's when the hospitals, the children's hospitals are kind of gearing up to be really full. And last winter, we had almost no cases. When I pulled the numbers um, from Hackensack, University Medical Center and also from Jersey Shore and from uh, JFK Medical Center in Edison, we had like two or three cases of RSV for the whole winter in the whole network, which is just unheard of because in 2019, Hackensack had 500 admissions alone just by themselves. And uh, so, you know, it is a lot of the social distancing. It's a lot of just people not being around each other. Um, Masks definitely help. We know they help with these viruses. So it's no surprise that we had a decrease. The surprise is that we're now seeing it in July and August. And we usually don't see it, like I said, until November again. Yeah, and that could be because we took our masks off and people have been more socially active and, you know, getting together and having birthday parties and things like that. And Absolutely, which is great, right? We're very happy that kids are getting together again. And I think that school, it's so important for kids to be in school, in person, learning social skills, learning from their teachers. Um, Any parent who was home with their kids for last year, I'm sure is so grateful for the teachers uh, because they're learning a lot more about all that they have to deal with. So it's a positive, but it's also this kind of built-in negative where kids are getting exposed to more. And one theory that we have is throughout the winter time, you're kind of exposed in a small dose, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone gets a little bit of a cold here or there, and they get kind of small doses of immunity to these viruses. So maybe that first cold in the winter is really hard on them, but for the rest of winter, they're okay, or they have, you know, five or six kind of medium Uh, severity colds. And it's because they're kind of constantly fighting something off. Well, all of a sudden, RSV didn't go away. None of these viruses went away, but now they're being exposed like full force. Mm -hmm. Um, So yesterday I had a kid in the hospital who had four different viruses. Um, He had just been exposed at daycare. His sister was in school and, you know, he just got them all at once. And I think it's even harder for them to clear at that point when you have everything all at once. So I think kids are just seeing this all of a sudden and having a little bit stronger infection earlier on. Yeah. And especially because they had a year off that their everyone's immunity is just so low right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And, you know, and we're trying to push kids to learn how to wash their hands a little bit better. Um, And one thing that we saw with COVID was initially, you know, people were washing their groceries, leaving mail outside. We learned that that wasn't necessarily necessary um, for COVID, right? It's not spread as much hand to hand or on your clothes or in your hair, all the things that we were worried about early. RSV, rhinovirus, another one that's called para-influenza, those viruses we know are spread by hand. You you know, you put a little bit of uh, hand to your face, there's mucus on your hand, you touch the next kid, you touch the toy, whatever it is. So encouraging your kids to learn how to wash their hands well early is going to help to prevent a lot of this. And if people are sick around your kid, put a mask on. It's definitely going to protect them. So we mentioned all the different, you know, symptomatic treatments. How is RSV ultimately treated? RSV gets better on its own. That's really the kind of key point to it. And it is frustrating for parents because when they come in, I say I'm going to give them some fluids. I say I'm going to give them some oxygen, but they really have to wait out the actual infection itself. The body does a great job of clearing RSV. So the treatment of RSV itself 
is just time. Um, I joke with my residents, I do a lot of teaching with um, residents and with medical students. I say the treatment for RSV is a calendar and a clock. It's just time. One really interesting thing about RSV is it lasts about seven to 10 days typically with days three to five of the illness being the worst. So it maybe starts out as a little cold, you think you're doing okay. And then over time it tends to get worse and that's when people have a hard time breathing. So if parents can wait it out, which I know is really hard to say, and they come in and they see the pediatrician and the pediatrician says, it'll get better, I swear. Um, It will, it will get better and it is a self-limiting illness. So all the other things we're doing, you're right, are treating symptomatically. I think right now during this kind of media hit of everyone is worried about Delta virus, everybody is worried about hospital capacity. One thing to know about children's hospitals is that we're good at managing this kind of capacity swing. Typically the summertime is a little slower in children's hospitals. We get a little bit of a break gearing up for the winter and that's not happening right now, but we're really good at managing these kind of increase in flows. Most patients who have RSV are gonna stay in the hospital 24 to 48 hours. So although we don't want any child to have to be in the hospital, they usually stay for a pretty short period of time. Um, and that's good for parents to know that this is not you know, necessarily a life altering. It can be very serious. And I think that that is something that people should know. Um, those who, you know, RSV can be deadly, unfortunately. It's usually in very young children that it you know, has the really severe effects. So if you have a younger child, it's really important to take it seriously if they're having a hard time breathing because we can help to give them oxygen. We can help to support them and hopefully avoid some of the more serious outcomes. Thank you so much for being with us, Dr. Clauser. Thanks for having me. If you have a topic you'd like for us to cover, submit your ideas on hmh4u.org backslash podcast. Your suggestion could be included in the You Asked For It special episodes. The material provided through this Help You podcast is intended to be used as general information only and should not replace the advice of your physician. Always consult your physician for individual care.